0: Almighty God, as we come into these moments where we open your word, we pray that you would cut through the clutter and the noise, and Lord, that you would clear our minds from distractions and speak life-transforming truth into our hearts and to our minds. To the glory of your Son, in whose name we pray, amen. Today we continue a sermon series that we started last week called True North, and our goal in this series has been to search for truth. What is truth. We hear so many competing voices out there and in the marketplace of ideas, there's so many things that are being thrown at us all the time. For example, one religion might say, hey, we've got the answer over here. We know how to get to God. And somebody else over here says, no, we, we have the way over here. We've got the answers. And so we're going to be looking into to what is truth and how do we, do we, do we find that truth? And here in the next few moments, we're going to take a look at one of the most controversial claims that Jesus Christ ever made. And we're going to look at one of the biggest questions that we all face in this life. And actually, this question, it's the most important question when we come to the end of our lives. And the question is this, how am I to be made right with God? How am I to be made right with my creator? And so we're going to to look at this today in the next few moments. Let me ask you this. Has anybody ever rented a car and driven in another country? Like you went to London and you were over there, or maybe you were in Germany or something. Man, a year ago, I went over to Germany. Uh, my wife and I, we went on a trip and we rented a car. I'm at an Autobahn. And it was like incredible. But you know, if you've ever gone and done something like that, it's like the street signs are different. You're like, I hope I'm doing the right thing here. But we went into this little town uh, in Germany called Rotenburg. It's like one of these, like the oldest cities over there. Like, Medieval and like cobblestones and like so cool, but the, the streets are so narrow. And so I was driving around in there for a couple of days. There's like outdoor cafes, people walking around. Man, I would be g- going up the street, and these people in these restaurants are like this, like oh. and like. And I'm like, how do they know that we're Americans? You know, like I'm in the German car. You know, so on the second day we get up this street after they're glaring at us and like, I come head to head with like a UPS truck and he's like, ah, and I look over and there's this sweet old German lady over here with the handbag and she's looking at me and she comes out into the street and I roll the window down and in broken English, she's like, one way street. And I was going like, ah, the wrong way for two days. Everybody's like, ah, you crazy Americans, what are you doing? here's the deal. The the city had determined it was going to go this way. And I could disagree with it and I could not even know, but it doesn't change the truth that this is a one-way street. And so today we're going to be looking at the truth and an unparalleled claim that Jesus made where he says, I am the way to your heavenly father. Listen to what he says in John chapter 14. You know this verse well. He says, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. What he was saying to his disciples is he says, I am the way, not a way, or I'm going to point you to the way, I am the way, and he says, I am the truth, I'm not just a version of the truth, but I am the truth, and then he makes this incredible statement, he says there's no exceptions, no one comes to the Father except through me. You know, the reason we teach exclusivity as, as Christians is, is not because we made this up. It's because Christ himself taught it. And so we teach what, what he says. You know, some people react and go, Jet, I just don't like organized religion. And I would go, hey, man, come to St. John because sometimes we're pretty disorganized over here. But we do have the truth, true north. And we're going to see what Jesus says about it today. You know, we live in this world where you can you hear a lot of talk about spirituality and like higher powers and all this and everything you can be at the workplace and talking about all that but where it gets real touchy where people start to get weirded out is when you bring up one word and that is the name of Jesus if you say the word Jesus people start oh wait hang on just a second because because they say you know i might believe in a historical jesus that he was a real guy and like i might even like say i agree with with some of his teachings they were really good like you know give to the poor like take care of the the, the less fortunate and love your neighbors and all this kind of stuff but 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 how can you guys who claim like he's the only way that's like pretty that's exclu- i mean that's like come on we live in an inclusive world where where everybody's thought should matter. It's a, a theory that goes something like this, inclusivism. It's the idea that, that no one has a lock on the truth, that all religions have some measure of truth and are just different paths to God. You probably heard this before out there, that all roads lead to heaven. And so this is what we're up against today. And so we're going to look at a couple of other world religions And see, we're gonna find that Christianity is, even though it's called a religion, it's a relationship with a creator, a loving God who, who came, and he is different. Take Buddhism for just a moment. If we look at the, the, Buddhism, the Buddhist religion, there's a similar story that they share with Christianity, but there's one little difference. There's a story where they, there's two sons, and one of the sons goes off in rebellion and goes and lives wild, and he's over here, and he comes to his senses, and he comes back in the Buddhist doctrine. And when he gets back here, the father, what does he do? He he says, now, son, you're going to work for me for 25 years hauling dung to pay off your debt to me. Wow. He's got to do something. He's got to pay this penalty. Where in ours. We say, no. The son goes away. He comes back. The father's arms are open. God is running toward us as his children. He says, you are forgiven and my grace is free. Let's take Islam for just a second. If you talk to a Muslim person, they will not acknowledge that Jesus Christ is even the Son of God. He's a person, but he's not deity. They would say that God is not even a father. And you've got to do certain things to earn your way into hell. You've got to pray at a certain time of day. a so many times you've got to do all these certain steps, and maybe hopefully God will accept you. And so it's all put on mankind to impress God. And then we come along as Christians, we say, no, we're, we're totally different. We, we have Jesus Christ. He was born of a virgin. He went to the cross and paid for our sins. He rose again. And now we are made right, not by religious attitudes or behaviors, but because of his grace and his work. See, other religions, it's man reaching up to, to try to get to God, but In Christianity, we say God is reaching down, and he is grabbing man. He is seeking us. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. You go, man, I don't know if I agree with all that stuff. Here's the deal. You don't have to agree with it to make it true. And let me give you an example. How many of y'all have a a, a bathroom scale? Like this morning, I I was getting ready. I step out of my, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to get on a scale. And I looked down, and two things happened. Number one, I didn't like what I saw. And number two, it was true. It was telling me right there, okay? Just because I don't like it, it's still true. And so the gospel is here before us, and it's not man saying this. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You know, in our culture right now, just this past week, Robert Jeffers, who's at First Baptist Dallas, he wrote, he's always writing articles and on tv and somebody in the fort worth star telegram this week was blasting him saying like uh he's like says all these other religions are going to hell and like they're and so he's saying hey i'm just preaching the word of god you're gonna find this resistance out there in your workplace in your schools resistance to the gospel and so today maybe you're here and you've got questions about all this and you're like i don't know If Jesus is the only way, I want you to take just a few minutes with me, and the time we have left today is to consider Jesus Christ and to to look at what he said about himself and what he did and what other people have said about himself. And here in the next few moments, let's look at four aspects of his life together. And the first one I want you to do is to consider the ministry of Jesus. The ministry, who did he come for and, and, and how did he treat people? Let's look at the word of God in Matthew in Mark chapter 2. He says, "When the teachers of the law who were Pharisees saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, that was Jesus, he was doing this. they asked his disciples, "Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners?" On hearing this, Jesus said to them, "It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but first to call sinners." Isn't that great news for us? Man, he didn't come for the, the ones that religion had said, man, you're squeaky clean, you got it all together, you're, you're righteous. Jesus was over here with the sinners, with the, the messed up people, and he was bringing grace and hope and to the ones that religion had rejected. And so, man, today... We celebrate that he came, not as some other deity that is saying, you've got to get it all together to impress me. He says, I've come for the unperfect because I've lived a perfect life. And so today, if you're here and you think you're all perfect, you can just sit over and and just keep polishing your halo and, and getting it all together while the rest of us experience the grace of God that we so desperately need. Because here's what I've seen in humanity is that there's, a drive within us to always want to go up. I, I want to go up at work and get a promotion. I want to, to get more money. I want, to, I want to have more square footage. And we're always wanting to go up. And here's Jesus. He looks and he says, I'm coming down. I'm coming down to you. I'm stepping out of my glory and I'm taking on humility and to come into your mess. And I'm coming down. What other deity says that? I'm coming down to you because I love you. Consider the ministry of jesus the second thing is this to consider the miracles of jesus jesus performed many signs and wonders and people saw this but through the power of god he was he was opening blind eyes and lame people were running and and deaf people were hearing he was casting out demons remember his first miracle at the wedding he turned water into wine like who doesn't want this guy at your wedding man come on He did these miracles. Let's look why these are recorded. In John chapter 20, it says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may what? That you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. You see, what's incredible is back in the day, Jesus' detractors, they didn't deny the miracles. They saw them like he raised Lazarus from the dead. They saw it. They were just saying, like, in whose name and whose, whose power and authority are you doing these? And so Jesus came to show that, that we have an invisible God. Yes, we can't see him, but he can reach through the fabric of time and space through the invisible into this visible world, and he can do miracles and he can transform lives, and it didn't stop with Jesus. He's still doing it in people's lives today. Maybe your, your life, you think back, and you go, man, it wasn't a coincidence that one time in my life, I almost died. But God protected me, man. The angels, uh, his holiness was helping me out. Maybe there was a time when your relationship, your marriage, was it looked impossible that this thing could survive, and, and God did a miracle. Or maybe you were, you, were, you were bound up to a substance that had you chained, and there was no way you are going to break free of this addiction. But, but by God's power, he did a miracle in your life. He reached down, and he did a miracle. Consider the miracles of God. What other god with a little g some idol some thing is reaching through and and doing any of this supernatural work in people's life jesus is at work he is reaching into our lives the third thing is i want you to consider is to consider the resurrection consider the resurrection if you were to go to the tomb of other religious leaders they're still there but if you go to the garden tomb jesus is not there and you say well uh, how about they, they, that the Romans hid his body after he was dead? Like, really? The Romans would like nothing more than to produce a dead body so they could point to it and say, hey, y'all made this whole thing up. How about other people who go, you know what? The disciples went to the tomb and they stole the body. Well, the Romans had placed guards out there, a seal on the tomb. And if they had tried to mess with that, like the Romans would have seen that and said, no, these guys are making this story up. The Romans, they were, they were masters and professionals at et- execution. Think about it. They crucified thousands of people, and when Jesus was hanging there, they ran a spear into his side, and, and water and blood ran out. They, he was gonna, they made sure that this man, Jesus, was dead. Here's Jesus. Conceived of the Virgin Mary. He lived a perfect life. He went to the cross and he's hanging there because we nailed him there. And creation is mocking the Creator and hurling insult and spitting on Jesus. And what did he say? He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. What other deity would lay down his life like this for anybody else? And so Jesus then cried out in a victorious cry, It is finished. And he won the victory over sin and death for us there. In that moment, the Bible says that there was a Roman centurion there. And here was a hardened man who'd probably seen so many people die. And the Bible says the ground began to shake and tremble and it went dark. And this centurion looked up at the cross and he said, surely this man was the son of God. How could he say that? Why? He saw in Jesus the humility and the love and the compassion in the moments there. He recognized the power of God. They laid Jesus in a tomb. Three days later, some ladies go to anoint this body. And when they got there, they didn't find a, a body there. They found an angel that said, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Wow. Jesus appeared to 500 other people after he rose it's not a myth. It's reality. It's been confirmed in other sources outside of Scripture. Jesus rose again and our whole faith is it hinges on the resurrection and his power he is alive and because of that yes we we get afraid of the process of dying like if we near death like what is this all going to be but we don't have to be afraid of what's on the other side Jesus says I've conquered it and I've risen and I'm going to raise you up again one day and we're all going to be together the resurrection the power of Christ he's a living savior consider the resurrection. The final thing is consider the message of Jesus. Consider the message of Jesus. How are we made right with God? Let's look in the book of Romans chapter 3 for one moment. It says this, the righteousness, this righteousness is given through doing a bunch of cool stuff, obeying laws, impressing God. No, he says it's given through faith in Jesus Christ to only just a couple of people. No, it says to all who believe. You see, some people say, oh, y'all are so exclusive. No, Christianity is the most inclusive to all who believe. All through Scripture, you see the word whosoever. John 3, 16, whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life, the most inclusive Imagine you're in your backyard working out in the yard and you're gardening and all of a sudden the, the snake comes out and bites you right in the calf. Ah, like you go, oh, and like you kill the snake and you're like, I got to get to the hospital quick. So you get the snake, you go down there. They're like, man, you were lucky you got here. That's like an extremely dangerous poisonous snake. But it's cool because we have this thing, this vial, it's an antidote we're going to give you and you're going to be just fine. And you're like, wait a minute. I don't know. Like, you got, like, go to the cabinet and then there's something else in there. Like, come on, I, I'm gonna, I can figure, so then you're like, I'm gonna figure this out myself. I'm gonna stand on my head and, like, the venom is gonna go through my body and dissipate. I'll be just fine. Or you can say, man, whatever. I'm gonna, I don't take your, like, no, you would be a fool to not take the antidote. And Jesus says, I am the way. And so it's not unloving. It's the most loving thing that we can do is to tell the world that we have the antidote for you. Jesus is the only way. He's come, and he's offering you eternal life and grace. The most loving thing we can do is to tell the world. And so as we close this message up, I want to give you a challenge to do three things as we leave. The first call to action would be this, is to believe and receive the grace of Jesus. It's a free gift Maybe the Holy Spirit has been stirring and drawing you and working in your heart and you've been wrestling and and you're like, this is resonating with me. And so the Holy Spirit is working in you to create the faith that reaches out and receives that free gift. And so where other religions would say, you have to D-O, you have to do. Christianity says, no, it's D-O-N-E, it's done. Jesus has already done the work. All you gotta do is reach out and receive his gift of forgiveness and eternal life. The second thing that I'm going to call you to do is to pray for an opportunity to share Jesus. You say, I don't know, man. If I can do this, I, I, I'm not comfortable talking about my faith. And, and, and so what is all this? See, when, when Jesus, when we were brought to faith and saved, he could have just zapped us out of here, beam me up, Scotty, and I'm out of here. But he left us on this planet. Why? It's to be a part of his mission. Like the Deloches to go, and to, to take the gospel into all the world, to be a part of his kingdom work. See, the old, the old paradigm was in churches for outreach just to be a program-driven organization. Say, man, if we got a great music program, youth, children, all this, all these people will just come to us. And that's great to have those. But the shift now, it's not like that anymore. We gotta get out. We gotta build relationships and begin to share the gospel one-on-one and to take the message of hope To the world. And the last thing I want to challenge you to do is this right here is to tell one person this week about Jesus. Like, I don't know about this. Like, what how do I do this? I'm not I'm not educated in theology. Like, talk about what Jesus has done for you. And then I want to challenge you to, to memorize and to say this phrase right here with me. Come sit with me. Let's say that together come sit with me you're like i don't know about how to talk about uh uh, all you got to do is like this week say hey i'm at the softball game and i see and someone's talking to me about their my marriage is just like going down and i I've got all these problems with my kid hey you know what i got a great church why don't you come next sunday and i'll save you a seat come sit with me oh would you do that yes okay you're over here you're at work you're at the water cooler somebody's going through something you know what I wasn't expecting this this uh, my husband lost her job we don't know what we're gonna do hey why don't you come sit with me come bring them here to the church you say so what like our church has the answer to everything how about this the world is suffering with sin suffering in their lives and they're afraid of death and eternity we have the answers bring the people here why life is complicated People want to get it right, and we want to help. Come sit with me. Will you do that this week? Imagine if, if even 50% of the people in this room went out this week and, and found somebody in your neighborhood or someone, come sit with me. And if, if 10% of those people came next week and they sat here, imagine the life transformation, not only on this side, but for all of eternity. Church, can you hear it? Can you hear the sound of of Heavenly building materials and instruments, it's Jesus. He's going to prepare a place for us. He wants to add on room after room after room, but he's saying, I need you. I need you to go out. I need you to say, come sit with me. Our Heavenly Father is saying, don't be afraid. I'm going to give you the power. Go out. Let's fill up heaven with more people because I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except Through me. To God be the glory.